0: Good morning, church. What do you see when you look back on your life? Is it clear that you see the hand of God in things? Man, God is so good. He's there when we don't sense Him. He's there when we don't hear him. He's there when we don't necessarily do the right thing, but he's faithful. Amen. Amen. And I was uh, just doing some personal reading um, later on um, this week, a couple of days ago, and you know, I, I was blown away uh, by the account of Hosea the prophet. I kind of spoke briefly to the men in prayer about it, but I mean, it really just it really hit me kind of getting a, a, a better grasp, getting refreshed on on what he went through as as a prophet, as a man of God. Uh, many of you are familiar if you've gone through that book uh, that that he he was told to marry Homer and Homer was a prostitute. And it wasn't like she was a pro. It wasn't like he married her and she got cleaned up and she stopped prostituting. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like she was prostituting the whole time. And, and, and even the names that he that was to, to name his children, no mercy, you're not my people. But I mean, there was restoration in that. But, but it was a real vivid picture to me of Christ and what Jesus did for us. Because when you and I were prostituting in the world, we were all prostituting spiritually, committing spiritual adultery, forsaking God and living our own way. He chose to marry us. He made us his bride. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing you to me. He didn't say, you got to get cleaned up before you come and be with me. Before I'm your your, your God and, and your Lord and your Savior. He said, no, I, I, I will take you as you are. All jacked up, all messed up, all full of pride, all arrogant, all have Issues with self-confidence, whatever, whatever it was that, you know, where he found us in that state. But he he gave of himself and he chose to marry us while we were still sinners. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But that's not even the best part. The best part is he rose again He's not this kind of God that just died. There there are so-called little G gods that that claim to be God and they they, they died. But they didn't resurrect. They didn't defy physics. (laughs) They didn't defy what, 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 what human beings don't understand and can't comprehend. Jesus Christ transcends everything and rose from the dead. Amen. Praise God that God has a divine plan of salvation for humanity. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. This morning we're uh, looking to start Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We spent a good portion of, gosh, the last couple months just, just in uh, you know a, a, a series called uh, The Difference Between Wisdom and Folly. We, we wrapped up chapter 7 and uh, that was a great series and I was very appreciative of just the insight that was able to be gleaned from the word of God in that manner. And uh, we're going to continue. So little by little, slowly, but surely little chunks. uh, But we are getting through this book. So uh, when you get there, if you could please stand where we'll be reading Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verses one through nine, this message is entitled keep the King's command. Starting in verse one, and it says, Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Verse 6, for there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. Verse 9, all this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. When man had power over man to his hurt. Let's pray. Abba. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for redemption in your son, Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the anointed one. We praise you for having favor on our lives. Thank you for giving us the uh, ability uh, to respond to conviction and recognize that we need salvation. Thank you that you give salvation freely. Well, it costs you everything, but it costs us nothing. Thank you that you allow us to come to you, that we can dine with you, that you call us friends, that we can be reconciled to you and have forever relationship. Thank you that you call us children of God, of yourself. Thank you for imparting your Holy Spirit, the Ruha Kadesh, to to live inside of us. Father, I pray now that you would empty all of us of ourselves and fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit. Bless us with your favor. Bless us with your anointing. Would you give us discernment and understanding? Help us to have a holy, healthy fear of you, that we would walk in wisdom all the days of our lives. I pray that everything that we came in with baggage wise, we would lay it at the cross, that we would lay it at your feet, that we would leave here changed, that we wouldn't leave the same way, that we would be resurrected in our spirit, that we would have a newness of life refresh us. Help us to drink from the living water that is you. Help us to eat from the living bread, the eternal bread that is Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for who you are. And like Moses, we pray if you don't go with us, we're not going. So we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Like I said, today we're going to be starting Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going to begin by looking at the benefits of obeying authority. The benefits, there's a benefit to prostrating yourself under authority. First, godly authority, God himself. When we have, a, again, a holy fear of God, this can never get old to us because it's, 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 it's so imperative that we understand what the fear of God is and what it leads to. But we, we must have a, 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 a good, healthy uh, submission to godly authority. God himself and then those he puts in authority. And then human authority. We will see the the, the pros of obedience and the cons of disobedience. Make no mistake about it. There are blessings and curses that are associated with obedience and disobedience. May we be those that are wise enough to not bring curses upon ourselves for no good reason other than we just chose to disobey. May may obedience be something that is forged in us every day that we live, amen? We have several main points, and the first one is this. Godly wisdom will change your countenance, meaning your, your, your appearance, and soften your heart. Wisdom, godly wisdom, or the lack of it, Shows upon a person's face. It's funny because I don't talk to Mark about what I'm going to teach on during the week or Thursday when he comes to the men's group. But he had, you know, he had said something just in passing that it was exactly what this scripture is talking about. Nobody come up in here with the grumpy face. Don't come in here with the angry face. You know, if we're children of God, and I know we go through stuff. But there should be a countenance about ourselves, there should be a glowing, a gleaming of goodness, of freshness, of righteousness, of purity, of holiness, because it's imparted to us by God. Again, wisdom, or the lack of it, will show itself upon a a person's face. Think about that the next time you look into the mirror. Your face literally reveals the state of your person. How you look and I'm not talking about in a vain way, dolling yourself up or making yourself look a certain way, but just you're you're beaming with either life or death. An example of this is it was told to me a long time ago. Do you want to know how you find out the condition of a marriage? Look at the husband's wife. Look at her countenance. Look at her countenance. <laughs> Simply put. You want to know the state of my marriage? Look at my wife. <laughs> I'm serious. If if if, if she's... Then you know something's going on. But if, if she's easygoing, if she seems like, you know... She's, she's walking closely with the Lord and things of that nature, then it's easy to say that things are well. Now, I've, obviously, every marriage has all kind of little different things. I'm not trying to, you know, get, pick all crazy. But but just in general, generally speaking, if you want to know the condition of a marriage, just look at the wife's countenance and vice versa. Look at the husband's countenance. <laughs> if the man's always, it's <laughs> a problem the problem they're one flesh you can't have one that's always happy and one that's always bitter that doesn't work you see the hard appearance Solomon mentions probably refers to arrogance the tight-lipped squinty-eyed excessively overconfident person who lacks wisdom or lacks the fear of God Shows their lack of the fear of God and lack of wisdom in their ignorance and how they posture themselves and how they portray themselves to be. But the wisdom that comes from God will make your face shine with love, selfless love, long suffering love. We don't like to hear that, but love isn't a little naked baby with an arrow on a cloud in a little mint. That's not the kind of love the Bible's talking about. The the kind of love the Bible it's talking about what Christ is, is that long-suffering love where it's like, man, he's like, man, if there's another way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to die on a cross. I don't want to get my hands nailed and my feet nailed and bleed out and get scourged and go through all this physical pain. Most importantly, be separated for you. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. That's the long-suffering love that the Bible talks about. Love is a verb. It's an action. Love is, I'm doing it even though I don't want to do it. You know that if you're married. You know that if you're a parent. I'm just keeping it real. Man, that diaper, dirty and it's stinky. And it, I'm tired and it's 2.30 in the morning and I don't feel like getting up and changing that baby's diaper. But you get up because of a long-suffering love. Dishes still ain't cleaned. Garbage still ain't taken out. Hedges still ain't cut, but you endure and you love. Why? For a long-suffering love. You see, this kind of love, and this is not even my notes, but this, I believe the Lord is leading me to share this. So I'm saying that, 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 that kind of love that's conditional, that's not good. Oh, I'm going to be cool with you because you're cool with me, and I'm going to treat you right because you're treating me right, but the minute you don't treat me right, no, I'm, I'm, I'm isolating and, 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 and now I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out. That's not biblical, church. Love isn't real love unless it costs you something. And that's what I mean. It, it, that's what the Bible means. It costs us something to suffer for Christ. It costs us something to love when we're not loved back. What did Jesus say? Far be it from you that just, to just love people who love you. What good is that? Even the sinners love each other. There was all kind of people that were loving each other at that Niner game last night. I'm not saying they're all not saved, but I would reason that some of those people are 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 in sin. The Niners won. We're drinking. We're happy. I love you, bro. <laughs> we're called to love people that hate us. We're called to love people that scorn us and despise us and don't want to see us prosper. How are we doing today with that church? The fear of God, which leads to the wisdom of God, will turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. This is because the heart of a person, get this, is basically the hub or the epicenter of human personality. It actually produces the things that we would ordinarily ascribe to the mind, right? Someone who's all about that doesn't know God would say, "Oh, it just comes from your mind. It just comes from your mind." But there's more to us than that. We're not just a mind. We're we're fearfully and wonderfully created. We're multifaceted We're fashioned after our our creator, God, who's endless, who who lives and exists outside of space and time. Life that's uncreated. Every time I say that, I can't wrap my mind around it. It hurts my head when I think about it. (laughs) Because God is, that's God. That's Yahweh. He's uncreated, but he's life. For example, scripture tells us that grief, desires, joy, understanding, Thoughts, reasoning, and most importantly, faith and belief are all products of the heart. And when I say heart, I'm talking about your innermost being, your integrity, who you are, your character, who you're going to be when all this fades away. The heart produces this. The heart is the center of either good and evil or evil. And what comes out of your mouth starts in the heart of a person. Luke chapter 6 verses 43 through 45 tell us, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. I wish I remembered that every time I said something. (laughs) You know, because sometimes it just be loose lipping, jaw jacking, bumping your gums, talking smack. And the Bible says, man, that's in your heart, man. You know, when we just say some sly comment about somebody, unbeknownst to them or unbeknownst to us, because it's coming out of our mouth. It's coming out of our hearts. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Amen. Amen. Genuine wisdom received from God will literally change your appearance. That's the first main point. The second main point is this. If you and I obey God-given authority, we will prosper. If we disobey God-given authority, we will suffer. The concept of authority is directly from God. As Yahweh is a God of order, He's not a God of disorder. Things are in order. Even simply put down to the creation of humans. You have Adam, then you have Eve. We've gone over this before. No, he's not sexist. (laughs) Man is no better than woman. We just have separate functions. I know they blur the lines and people don't know who who can have babies nowadays. (laughs) But a woman can have a baby only. Only. You cannot make yourself into a woman, and you cannot make yourself into a man. I don't care how many operations you have from whatever doctor. You cannot change the inner workings of who you are. Your DNA is scripted a certain way, and I cannot broaden my hips, and I thank God for that. (laughs) And I can't push out no baby, and I praise God for that. I don't got the strength to do that. I don't got the patience. I don't got the virtue to do such things. God knew who he made when he made me. He said, this one is going to be a man. Thank you. And when people say, oh, yes, you know, uh, you know, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Yes, we know that's very difficult, very challenging without the Holy Spirit. But then we see, and some men try to point this out, wives, submit to your husband as a weaker vessel. If you look at that text, It says, as the weaker vessel. That implies that the man is weak too. It's just the woman is a little bit weaker. So we're all weak. We all need help. We all need dependency. But there's order. He's a God of order. That's my whole point. I kind of went off. I'm sorry. But the whole point is, we serve a God of order, and that's where God-given authority comes into play. He puts people in positions of authority because he has an order in operation and how he wants to see the world ran and run properly. Amen? It is He and He alone who places people in positions of authority. I'm a living testimony of this. I didn't never want to do this. This was never on my list of things to do. I didn't want to even be saved. I didn't want to be in the church. I didn't realize how lost I was in what I was doing. But when I when I finally got saved, you know, I was content in, in 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 the pews. I was content cleaning. Bathrooms doing whatever little odds and ends things that, you know, the Lord would have me do under whatever pastor uh, I was sitting under at the time, but it was never, I was never gunning. I don't think anybody here is like that either, but there are people like that where they are. They are thirsty for authority. They are thirsty for power. They are thirsty for recognition. That is not the man that you want in the position of under-shepherding a church. Let me tell you that right now. Get as far away from that place as humanly possible if you are sitting under somebody who wants to be recognized. But it's the Lord who deems a person and puts a person in a position of authority, whatever that looks like. We're all in some way, shape, or form in a position of authority if you think about it. If you have children, you're in a position of authority. If you don't have children, but you work somewhere, you have a position of authority. Even if you have bosses over you. If you are a grandfather, a grandparent, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, an older cousin. You have a position of authority. The Lord has placed you there. It's up to you what you do with it. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 tells us, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Again, this was brought up in prayer. I didn't talk to Daniel or Mark about this. It's a theme every week, praying for the leadership of this country. Getting on our knees and being broken for the authority or the lack of authority in our country, in the world for that matter. Does your heart break for Joe Biden? Does your heart break for the cabinet and the Senate? Do you pray for these people? Or do you armchair quarterback and talk badly about Gavin Newsom and all his reforms that are just heinous and insidious? If the church did more praying and less observing and finger pointing, things could be different. Everybody talks about revival. Revival must start within your own heart. Revival must start with you recognizing that you're a sinner and you need to get right with God. You could say, I know that already, but do you really know it? Do you have a contrived heart? Are you broken by the things that you see? In your own life, have you been honest with where you really are with the Lord? Or is it just a game of charades and facades and and, and, and living facetious? You see, if we're really honest with ourselves and God, we would admit how much we really are lacking and how dependent we really are upon him. And how every day, every moment, every breath comes from him. And that would change our behavior. We wouldn't complain that Taco Bell messed up my order. We'd be more concerned about how can I help that fellow over there that I know that needs help. We would be less self-absorbed. And we would be more moved with compassion for our fellow human being. Again, even the ones we don't like. Even the ones that hate us. You see, without proper authority and order, a society will run wild and there will be chaos of every kind. Let me first say, The Bible fully takes into account the abuse and misuse of authority. But just because some human beings will take advantage of the position of authority that they have been placed in, does not take away the fact that the authority and order in and of itself is a vital part of society. This is very interesting and and actually quite scary. Sometimes the judgment of God is revealed upon a nation when their leadership is lacking wisdom and the way that they steward their leadership is foolish. Did you get what I said? Sometimes the judgment of God is upon a nation when you see people in positions of authority that have no common sense, that are walking around asinine, that have no general understanding of what life is but they are in positions of authority and leadership and they are calling shots that is a judgment from god that's why we need to pray (laughs) because as i look at this country and the principles it was founded on more and more we just are just going farther and farther away from it I have a coworker and he and he's of the age that when he was a child, when he went to school, they had chapel. There's no chapel no more. I asked my son, do you know the Pledge of Allegiance? They don't have a flag in their room. What was it, a year or two ago, someone in Southern California, a teacher put up a gay flag and tried to get kids to do some kind of allegiance to the gay flag, which is not even the gay flag. They, 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 they took the rainbow and tried to use it for themselves. They've taken the Ten Commandments out of our courthouses. They've taken prayer out of the schools. Wake up. The writing is on the wall. Dare I say, there is judgment upon us. But there's plenty of real Christians here, so we need to band together, trust in God, have the fear of God in us, and live out each day in fear and trembling. Honoring God and doing what he calls us to do. Amen. So that there's a remnant. So there's a remnant. There's always a remnant. That's the hope. It's not all doom and gloom, but we can't also be unaware of what's really going on around us at church. Amen. Verse one tells us, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. This applies to every king authority or government, anything that they would have us to do. We, w- we should honor them. We should obey these authorities put in place so long as they are not telling us to disobey Jesus Christ. The moment the United States government tells you you cannot worship Jesus Christ, you say no. <laughs> you simply stick your foot in the ground and you stand up for your God-given right to worship the true and living God. An example of this is in regards to taxes. Jesus gave the example. Mark chapter 12 verse 17 says, Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Church, don't cheat on your taxes. (laughs) Don't file zero if you can't file zero. Don't try to get over. You know, welfare is there for people that really need welfare. If you can work... Work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. We talked about that last week. Margaret Thatcher made a stir about that some years ago. But it was biblical. And it was true. If you have the means to work, you need to work. If you can't work... That's why back in the day, some churches, they would have a benevolence offering. They'd have an offering in the beginning or an offering sometime in the service. And then they'd have a second offering. It would be a benevolence offering. And they would give that offering to every single person that actually needed it. Widows, orphans, people that are disabled and they have no means to help themselves. Don't get over. Because be sure your sin, my sin will find me out. Amen. There is a great blessing of avoiding God's wrath and having a clear conscience when we obey the authority that God has established. <laughs> a clear conscience. You can sleep soundly at night. You're not kept up because of some grit and grime and lies and perversion and covering up. You know why lying is so bad? Because once you tell one lie, you've got to keep telling lies. And you tell so many lies to keep up that original lie that you don't know how many lies you told. You get wrapped up in the lies. You get lost in the lies. Your life becomes a lie. What a shame. What a shame. How much stress is involved in people's lives that tell lies upon lies upon lies? Living a lie. I want a clear conscience. <laughs> I want peace. Peace. He says, just obey, just submit. Don't think you're greater. Be okay with authority over you and your life will be fine. This goes from parents to teachers, to police officers, to government officials. Christians would be wise to honor those in authority. Amen. The third and final point is this. The Lord Yahweh, God Almighty, is the ultimate authority and has the final word. (laughs) He says what goes down ultimately. Verse 8 tells us no man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. So what does this mean? Simply put, God is in full control. (laughs) We are all living... On the blessing of breath and life that he allows us to have. That's why I say like every day when I wake up, I'm like, praise God. Thank you. Thank you that you've given me life. Thank you that you've kept my soul in my body. And I can live another day. Because I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to go. I want to be here still. There's work to be done. I feel like, I don't know. It could be me. But I believe people, I think people know when, when, when they're ready. I think people know when they're ready, you know, and they're like, Lord, I, I got peace with it's time to go. Speaking of those who are saved, a saved person, I think, knows when it's their time to go. But if there's a fire and a hunger in you still, you know, to 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 walk in the good works that the Lord's prepared for you here on earth, I think that you're still needed here. And there's a purpose for your life here on the earth. But we don't control that. He's the one. He says when, and he says how. He's the one who gives us breath in our lungs and the measure of it. Even with the free will decisions of people, the Lord's purposes will ultimately prevail. Example, think of this, the the life of Jonah. (laughs) Right? He ran, he ran. I'm not going to Nineveh. I hate those people. I hate them. I want them to burn. I don't, I don't want them to be saved. Do you know what they did to us? Do you know how they hate Israel? And you, you want me to go to preach to these pagan, godless Gentiles? Do you know the defiled things that they do? Do you know the defiled gods they worship and the horrible practices that they do? And he said, I'm gonna go as far away from Nineveh, uh, Nineveh, excuse me, as humanly possible. We all know what happened, right? <laughs> God's purpose prevailed. He ended up going. <laughs> and the, the, the story's crazy. The account's crazy. Because he preached the almighty sermon and, and thousands of people got saved and they repented and they were in sackcloth and ashes and they were praising the true and living God. And then our boy Jonah <laughs> is mad again. He's like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe you saved these people. The Lord's purposes are going to prevail. Now, if we, me and you continue on in and whatever, you know, kind of issue we have with some kind of besetting sin in our lives, it's just going to be like Moses, how many more times you want to go around this mountain, man? (laughs) I've been through it. I'm 45 now. I believe the Lord wanted me to do what I'm doing now when I was 20 something, but it wasn't happening because I was rebellious. So he said, "Okay, well, yeah, I got all I got all the time in the universe, man. (laughs) You want to be 65 and me bring you into, you know, what you were supposed to walk in? It'll you'll be 65 years old, barely getting to where you were supposed to be. (laughs) Be wise and straighten up, man. So you don't got to waste 20, 30, 40 years of your life before you actually walk in the purposes that God has prepared for you. Because he will wait. You'll just be later on down the road, but his purposes for your life will prevail. Amen. And in regards to the day that we leave this planet, no one has the power over that day. Psalm chapter 90 verse 10 says the years of our life are 70 or 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 even by reason for the strength of 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. That's basically just saying that, you know, there's a cap. There's a cap on, on on how long the average person is going to live, and, and the Lord has kind of set that in place. So, the best thing to do is just have the fear of God in you and enjoy your life, man. Enjoy your toil, enjoy your food, enjoy your family, <laughs> enjoy the pleasant things of life because it really isn't all doom and gloom. The Christian should be the joyous person on the earth. If you're a Christian, if you're a true follower of Christ, and you're always angry and upset, and you're always complaining, you're always depressed, man. Get right with the Lord <laughs> for real. Get right with the Lord because I mean if you took a shower this morning you're rich, homie, I'm gonna tell you straight up. if you put shoes on your feet and you got no sho- holes in your shoes, you're rich, man. If you had a car and you drove, if, man if you got on the light rail and you got down here, you're rich. If you eat three square meals a day and you get snacks, if you got a refrigerator where it's cold, You're rich. There's so much that we should not take for granted, church. The Lord has blessed us with so much. Hmm. No one is able to retain the spirit. To keep it in the body beyond the time which God has given no one has the power in that day of death against the day of death or to avoid or delay it. So many people are trying to avoid death. Oh, I want to live forever. Oh, I want to live forever on the earth. I want to turn back time. <laughs> the fountain of youth. I mean, I get it. But it's like, it is what it is, man. you going going great. I mean, it's, it's, if you die, it's all good. For me, I just don't die because it's just too much of an upkeep, man. If I was trying to dye this beard... Every two weeks I go get, what is it, just for me? Come on now. And then they be looking super fake. It's super dark. Plus I got a gang of gray hair up here. Like I always said, the gizzard don't lie. So you could have everything nice up here and there. Look at their neck. Look at their neck and look at their knuckles. I don't know why women's knuckles get bigger as they get older. Hey, they do. It is what it is. Men, too, hey, we don't look no better. I said, man, I said, uh, you know, what was it, that movie Rio? When I told one of my clients, I said, why Paul McCartney look like that bird? The white bird that sing with the frog that loved him, the poisonous frog that really wasn't poison. I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just saying, you know, it's crazy how some people resemble animals. Anyways, Sir Paul McCartney, no disrespect to you. Praise God. Bless your soul. Get saved. You know. Sorry, I'm not a comedian. I'm a pastor. But anyways, he is the only hope for the face of certain death. This is why it's so important to run to the one who's conquered death, Jesus, the Messiah. For the believer, we can rest assured that our eternal soul is secure and safe with Jesus, the anointed one. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 16 tells us now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and a good hope through grace. That's where your are saving refuges is, is in Christ alone. All right, let's look at these verses a little bit closer. We'll look at verse one because there's a lot just in this first verse. Uh, I'll read it in just a second. Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse one, who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. Okay, so we see this statement, who is like a wise man? Once again, I alluded to this earlier in the message, but we see the statement, who is like a wise man? Well, simply put, the one who fears God, the one who fears God, who has a holy fear of God, is like a wise man. The reason why this principle cannot get old, church, is because the maturing believer in Christ is maturing simply because God himself is ageless. He's timeless. He lives outside of space and time. He has no limits. He has no boundaries. There's nothing that can contain him. He's self-contained. He has self-revelation. He's in need of nothing at all. Think about it this way. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed, but the new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Why did he say that? Why did he use that parable? Because like new wine, church... He wants to continually do a fresh new work in you and in me. He wants to bubble up newness of life every moment that we live. He wants to impart new and fresh revelation of Him and who He is so that your love for Him grows stronger and the bond that you and Him have is is firmer and stronger and nothing could take it or break it. But in order for that to happen, we need a new heart of flesh, a new perspective in who he is, not our old views that exclude him. Solomon searched for a wise man who knew the interpretation of a thing. Only the person who is walking with God can interpret circumstances correctly only the person that's walking with God truly walking with him will be given discernment up to whatever the Lord gives to have understanding of a thing example of this have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to do or what the next thing was to come or what to say you just simply couldn't interpret what was to happen But you prayed and sought counsel from the Lord. And then eventually you receive wisdom and revelation to know what to do. Isn't that amazing? I was struggling with something this week. There was a gentleman that that, uh, had, you know, I I, I talked to through texts on a regular basis. And and he kind of, you know, reached out and, and said, oh, I have this situation and. And um, you know, man, it's like my heart was. I want to help him. I want to go over there and help him. He, he's kind of a little bit far from where I'm at, and I have my own set of circumstances. My wife had to go somewhere, and then I have my kids. And I was just like, I I couldn't I couldn't get there to physically get this person what they needed, but I gave them a resource to like find like you know some uh, food pantries that are free and and free food pickup services in the si- in the city where he lives. And you know, I don't I don't speak fluent Spanish, and then all of a sudden the this gentleman sends me back a text message in all Spanish. And I'm like, I, so I'm like, Lord. And then I'm feeling bad. Cause I'm like, man, Lord, I'm supposed to help the people that you put in my spirit of influence, but I, I can't get to this dude. And so as I alluded to earlier, I was in Hosea for a little bit. And after I was in, in, in that book, the Lord was like, call your mom, call your mom. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I called my mom. I mean, I call my mom once a week or whatever. But I called her on a fr- on that Friday afternoon, and um, it was a blessing. What I got out of that was I have my own sphere of influence. I have direct people that 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 I am responsible for that I need to pour into and I need to engage with. Now, my heart was I wanted to be able to go to help this man over here, but I just couldn't do it. But the Lord gave me peace because I was struggling for a minute with that. I, I was, I won't say I was stressed out, but I was like, Lord, I want to do the right thing. And I'm like, man, Lord, am I not doing the right thing? Because I'm not getting in my car and getting these two, two things of water and, and getting food and taking it to this man. But the Lord's like, dude, you got two kids here. Your wife's gone at the store. <laughs> You're seeking me for wisdom. Call your mother. <laughs> Talk to your mom. My stepdaddy goes to work. You know, he's gone. He's gone till like eight, eight, sometimes eight thirty at night. So I I call my mom and uh, I believe that was my whole point is he will give you wisdom and counsel if you seek him on every circumstance in every situation. You see Solomon knew that wisdom makes a man happier even in an under the sun premise when we see under the sun it just basically means not connected to God. Under heaven means connected to God. But when you see Solomon talking about under the sun, it's, it's, it's usually in a, in a secular perspective. So even in a secular perspective, wisdom makes human beings happier. It makes his face shine and the sternness of his face or her face will be changed. The shining face speaks of the favor of God. Numbers chapter 6 verse 25 tells us the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I love the ironic Blessing. It's a, great, it's a great prayer to pray over your family. Pray it over your kids. Pray it over your husband, over your wife. Pray it over your aging parents. Pray it over people, man. It's, it's great. It's beautiful. Ever since I learned that, I don't ever stop. Pray that every day over my children, my wife, because it's important. Pray it over myself. You see, when you are walking in the favor of God, it will show in your countenance. Your face will shine. An example of this. Remember when Moses went up to Mount Sinai? For 40 days and 40 nights, and he spent fasting before the Lord of all creation. And when he came down, his face shone. They couldn't even look upon him. They're like, man, you've been with the true and living God. Oh, you're blinding us. It's so heavy upon him. Because he'd been in the presence of God. Only the power of God can change the hardness of someone's heart. Which will in turn change the hardness of someone's face. If you got someone in your life and they're just hard, you gotta pray. You gotta intercede for them because you can't change them. You can't beat the Bible over someone's head. You can't just keep repeating Scripture to somebody. You can—I mean—you can share it, but you don't determine whether or not it falls on deaf ears or not. An example of this: Why? Why, why do you, some people? just look so hard they could be white collared they could be blue collared they could be from the hood but they're just hard they just have a hard face they're always mean mugging they're they're always got this scowl upon their face the truth is it's because they they have not yet receive the love of Jesus Christ into their hearts. And and, and I'm not trying to explain away the hard things that some of these people have gone through. I'm trying to be sensitive about it because I'm sure many of these people go through, have gone through very difficult and painful things, and it's hardened them. Life has hardened them. But the application is this. Although the wise cannot make sense of all things, a person who receives wisdom from God will beam with the gentleness of God and For those that are still hard, they simply need to receive willingly the love of Jesus Christ. And in his time, his love and his wisdom, his joy, his peace will change their countenance. He will soften their hearts. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and look at two through four. It says, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause for he does whatever he pleases for the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Okay, so we see this statement. Keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Solomon here understood. And this is actually a foreshadowing of what the apostle Paul would later write in Romans chapter 13. Simply that we should obey government authority as part of our obedience to God. We do this primarily not to honor the king or the government authority, though this is part of our obligation, but we honor government authority for the sake of our oath to God. We do. We do because we've, we've said that we will we will submit to you and we will submit to what you uh, uh, deem and what you allow to be appropriate. In a New Covenant context, we do this as a part of our obedience to God. The only time, church, you are not to obey human authority is if they are telling you to go against the Lord and his precepts. It appears that the Jewish princes and chiefs took an oath of fidelity to their kings. This appears to have been done to David um, In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be be shepherd of my people, Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. So there was an oath. There was a transaction that took place where they said, we acknowledge that you're the man that God put in place. And we're going to submit to your authority. We're not going to question it. We're going to be obedient. Not necessarily for your sake, but for the Lord's sake and for our own benefit, so that we we would be blessed and not cursed. An example of this in our day and age is something that when you see if you've been in the military, right? In the military, there are ranks and you need to honor those in authority over you. (laughs) If you do not honor your ranking officer or the sergeant, whoever it is, the colonel, man, it's going to go all bad for you. (laughs) It's not going to be a good look. When you do this, again, it goes well for you. But if you don't do it, it'll be a lot more difficult. As we already mentioned, there are limits in obeying authority. But again, we also recognize that we are always to obey God rather than men. If the two are in a contradiction to one another. Remember when Peter and John were told, don't preach no more in the name of Jesus. Don't preach in the name of Yeshua here. Acts chapter 4 verse 19 tells us, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But they're like, basically, I'm paraphrasing, we're not going to stop preaching in Jesus' name. You guys are trying to stop it because you've got a little racketeering prophet going on here. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are peddling these false gods, but we're talking about the true and living God. Next thing we see this statement, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, What are you doing? This is a reason why it is wise to obey the king or the government. Their power, though sometimes held unrighteously, makes it unwise to fail to keep the king's commandment or show him respect. The application is simply this. If anything, this whole order of authority that God has set in place, if anything, This should make us reflect on our obedience to God as the great king. If we are willing to obey human authority, how much more should you and I be willing to obey the authority that is of the king of kings and the Lord of lords? It should be without question that we're willing to obey into whatever the Lord would have us to do. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and look at verses five through nine. And it says, whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I have observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Man, it's like he was, I, I would say it seems like Solomon's kind of grieving in that statement. I don't think he's jumping for joy as he was penning this. This is just Real rough, raw revelation of the truth. And he's just like, wow, how much more do I need you, God? (laughs) Because there's no hope without you. Man hurting other men, abusing power. It's never a good thing. We see that so much in our day and age, church. Whoever keeps a command, we see the statement, whoever keeps a command will experience nothing harmful. You see, God will come to those who obey and honor him. He will come and he will have favor upon your life. Some in the world have a very difficult time submitting to authority. It's like they don't want to do it. (laughs) They see authority as a challenge. They're very prideful and they won't do it. But there's other people that are in the world that have no problem. They have no problem submitting to authority. They're like, okay, cool. You're in charge. All right. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. All throughout scripture, we are taught that submission to authority grants blessings from the Lord. Not necessarily blessings of material possession, but rather the blessing of knowing you are walking upright before God and men. That you are able to live free of guilt and of shame. It's like, it doesn't matter if, the police pull you over if you know you're not riding dirty you don't got nothing to be you're not tripping if i got my l's and i got my car insurance (laughs) i mean if i feel led i don't know i don't think i would put my hands up but who knows but either way if i'm if i'm riding clean you got nothing on me. I don't. I'm not looking over my shoulders. I didn't run that red light. I'm not speeding. But now, if you don't got your license, you in a hot car, you smoking. You got booze in the in the, in the back seat that's open. You wouldn't. You weren't wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> you were going 25 miles over the speed limit, switching, swerving in and out of lanes. Your tags are expired. You better panic, man. They might pull you out and do you in. Might be a bad look for you on that day. Example. There was a whole movement of people a while ago who wanted to defund the police. This was a real hot topic when George Floyd was fatally killed. Now, I'm going to be sensitive about this, but it's real life, so I'm going to speak on it led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? But ultimately, defunding the police was not and is not the solution. Now we can look at this from both sides to see what it is. Was there excessive force used by the police officers? Sure. No doubt about it. It was excessive. Could there be? Have been reasons beyond the video footage that would have contributed to them using the force that they did? Sure. We simply don't know unless we were there physically prior to the incident actually going down. As unfortunate as that event was, without, and hear me church, without both parties whether it be the officers or George Floyd, without both parties having a godly perspective of life and the sanctity of it, there will never be a lasting solution. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is the solution. You see, in this church, we ain't going the occupied Oakland route. We're going, getting on our knees and praying route. Because you can march and march and march and get in the streets and yell and do all that, but what is that really doing? Is it really a righteous indignation and anger that you have? How is it being channeled? Is it contributing to the, the betterment of people on both sides? See, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way on both sides. And then you get race into it and people get all heated and, just, and things get distorted. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I'm not trying to uh, make light of, of racial tensions that are real. But, but but marching's not the answer. It's a spiritual battle. It's a satanic force behind the racism. And until people understand that, we're going to be at a stalemate. And people are going to still be racist and not like one another for the color of their skin. And not be judged by the content of their character. Because they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. This is why Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 tells us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Any single person I come across in this world. It's my neighbor. Not just the person that lives right next to me. (laughs) we be, the t- sometimes people be like, man, they nice to them stranger than they just mean mugging their neighbor. Man, can you believe this fool? <laughs> Always leaving his branches. Don't ever cut his branches, man. Always hanging over on my side of the fence. <laughs> I'm going to the soup kitchen and feeding the homeless. Mad at their neighbor. <laughs> Everybody's our neighbor. You see, but you can't love your neighbor as yourself if you have a faulty view of who God is. If you don't believe that all humanity has been created in the image of God, then you will not value all of human life. And if you don't value human life, then you will not value authority, whether human or godly. You just won't. You won't respect the police. You won't respect the principal. You won't respect the homeless person that asked for, you know, some change. You won't respect the clerk at the at the loop. You won't respect the person that gave you a dirty look as you drove by. They just bless him. God bless you. You know, you know, you are getting more mature when you are able to, you know, God bless you, man. It just roll off your back, and you are not like mm-hmm, I want to put it. In. You know, I mean, when you are fighting that, you're like, man, come on now. You just you letting your emotions get get too much of you. And that's why people get killed over senseless things because in the moment people don't quell their anger and they lash out because of emotion. And it's never wise to lash out and make a decision when you're just angry because you're fueled by your emotions. And emotions, even though they're a good thing, if emotions are not held in check, a lot of times we say things we regret. It's like, man, I didn't mean that. But I, in the moment I said some things to you, <laughs> you know, married people know that very well. You're getting somewhere in your marriage if you're able to hold your tongue and you're not just just because you just, you know, it's just real. It happens like that, though. It's well, we laugh at it because it's real. But you're maturing in the spirit when you're able to calm down and not get so wound up about it, you know, and understand it's like the, the love that God has for me is is, is nonconditional. And I'm not looking to my husband or my wife to, to, to fulfill me and make me whole. I'm whole in Christ. Remember, I'm married to a, a, a sinner. And I'm a sinner. So it's a very much of a challenge. We got to give grace to one another. And that's where the love lies, in the grace. It would be so sad if, if, if God's love for us was conditional. We would, I wouldn't receive it. <laughs> I wouldn't receive it. He's like, man, you mess up every day, multiple times a day, an hour. Shoot, forget a day, multiple times an hour. But God's grace is is unmerited. Favor, I love it, unmerited. But you give it to me. Praise you for that, Lord. Sorry, I got off track. (laughs) Talking about marriage. (laughs) Don't worry, my marriage is good. The application is this. So you see, once again, the fear of God. It's paramount, church, in living a righteous, peaceful life amongst others. If we honor the authority God has put in place, we will be blessed by him regardless of what our circumstances look like. Um, look Look at Joseph. Okay. They did Joseph dirty. The authorities did him dirty. Potiphar's wife, she did him dirty. She had authority over him as, as, as the wife of the man who was in charge of the house where he was doing work. She tried to sleep with him. He wouldn't sleep with her. They threw him in prison. He didn't lash back at her. He didn't say, you stinking scoundrel, you filthy liar. She's wrong. Get rid of her. I'm sure he wasn't happy that he went to prison, but he humbled himself. And he, 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 he humbled himself under the authority that was put in place by the Lord. And it took a long time, but but he was vindicated. He was justified. He was set right. So if you're in a position like that, don't give up just because it hasn't happened right away. In, in those times, in those seasons of hardships. The Lord is trying to grow something in you that could never be grown if things were all good. Just like Joseph, maybe you got to be in whatever prison you're in for a season of life that you're in. But God is sovereign, he's in control, and he knows the fruit that's going to come from your suffering. Amen? Sorry, baby. Sorry, Maverick. My bad, bro. I'm making you cry, man. He's a good boy. I'm getting fired up over here. (laughs) All right. This next statement, because of every matter, there is a time and judgment. Solomon first explains this in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through eight. I'll read it. I love this. I love this text for everything. There is a, a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what has been planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time... To dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. This next statement, though the misery of a man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen. The preacher here understood that for every matter there is a time in judgment, but he also knew that We we don't know what those times are. We just don't. A wise man's heart may discern both time and judgment, but certainly not perfectly. And not all are wise. Some people are, are, are foolish because they choose to live in foolishness. This speaks to the reality that all of humanity is limited to their understanding of things. Without the revelation given by God, we are shooting in the dark, trying to hit the bullseye. We cannot figure out life apart from revelation given to us by God. And without understanding and the gift of faith given to us to trust in Jesus Christ alone to be our security, we will always be burdened with the heaviness of life. You never get that heaviness lifted until you receive Christ as your savior. You will always walk through life if you're doing it on your own with a heavy burden and a weariness of not understanding what is going on and the burden of life that takes its toll on every human being. This next statement, no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit and no one has the power in the day of death. If the lack of wisdom uh, discouraged Solomon in in verses 6 and 7, he found that powerlessness of men in the face of death to be even more despairing. Without God, he saw that death allows no winners and there is no real release from the war. Again, over and over in this passage of Scripture, we see the importance of putting all of our trust and hope in Jesus Christ. The only one who has the power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Revelation chapter 1 verses 17 and 18 tell us, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's a comfort. That's a comfort to know that our God has everything in control. He's sovereign over every aspect of life all the time. We see this last statement. Michelle and Isaiah can come up whenever they're ready. I'll be ending in a minute. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. When man had power over man to his hurt. Solomon knew that part of man's misery on this earth was that man would oppress man. We, we just do that. People just do this to one another. Just look back upon human history and you will see that this is true. From the Egyptians, right? And I'm not getting into race, but understand Egyptians are African. They're black. If you want to say black slang. Egyptians enslaved their own people before they enslaved the Israelites. So black people enslaved black people. And everybody enslaved everybody. I know, I get it that there's so much going on. But when we look back at history, you see that it's not about race. Because Egyptians enslaved their own people and then they enslaved the Israelites. From that to slave trading in Africa, to the rise of of, of one world governments wanting complete power. That's what we're seeing across this world right now. The United Nations trying to band things together so there's one world order. One government system trying to make it so easy so they can program people and have people a certain way. May it not be said. Humanity has witnessed the hurt from the abuse of power and authority. Still, we need not fret. Yahweh, Father God, always has the last word. I'm going to end with this point. Do you guys remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He thought himself to be God. God. And the reason why his kingdom had rose to such power and prominence. Only one day for him to be humbled at the peak of his reign. As is with everything else in life, it is God alone who must reveal the truth of what is true to us. At that point, it's up to you and I whether or not we will accept it and respond to. By complete submission through our own repentance of our sins to him. Daniel chapter 4 verses 34 and 35 tell us, At the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say his hand can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? You see, may we be those that are willing to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Let us live in such a way that we are continually honoring, honoring Father God and then those He puts in authority. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth that You show us. Lord, You are a God of authority. You are a God of order. You are a God of righteousness. And You set things up on the earth in a specific way so that things would work Freely, And that things would have the right order to them. You've given authority to men not to abuse it, but to help us from not going crazy and running wild and having recklessness abound everywhere. Father, we are living in such a day where our leadership, our authority needs you. They need to be woken up. They need to be convicted of their sin. They need to be convicted of their wicked ways so that they could lead righteously. Not only here in America, but across the planet. Every nation tribe needs you. They need conviction. They need to respond to that. They need to have a holy fear of you. So Father, start with us as individuals. Start with Resilient Life Church. Start with all the the other neighboring churches that truly believe in you as Jesus the Messiah. May we be those who humble ourselves and submit to your authority, rule, and reign in our lives. And may we see the fruit of what we have planted. May we reap a a plentiful harvest to honor you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.